this is John Russo, and you're listening to GeeksOfTheIndustry.com. For those of you just tuning in, we will be remaining live on the air for the remainder of this crisis. As we reported earlier, there have been widespread attacks all over the city by what are described as bloody corpses in a trance-like state. Now, whatever is happening, it does not appear to be a local phenomenon. We've been informed that similar reports are coming in from other cities all over the country. We still have no specific answer as to why this is happening. Reports are ranging from a germ or virus with a mind-altering effect or some sort of chemical spill or a behavioral disorder and mass hysteria. All roads and freeways are jammed with people trying to get out of the city. Now the governor has issued this statement. All people are urged to stay in their homes and lock their doors until the situation is contained. still here. They're after us. They know we're still in here. They're after the place. They don't know why. They just remember. Remember that they want to be in here. What the hell are they? They're us, that's all. There's no more room in hell. What? Something my granddaddy used to tell us. You know Makumbo? Voodoo. Granddad was a priest in Trinidad. He used to tell us, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Every dead body that is not exterminated becomes one of them. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. Stronger than us, or some high thing. They be stronger than you. Well, you used to really be scared here. Johnny! You're still afraid. Stop it now, I mean it! They're coming to get you, Barbara. Greetings, fellow insomniacs, and welcome to another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com. I'm your host, my name is Chunky Larry, and at the beginning of the 1970s, Spanish director Jorge Grau ventured into the Italian countryside for an eye-opening look at the consequences of short-sighted decisions. The film managed a cult status through its effective use of simplistic nihilism and deeper meanings that sit with you long after it's over. And on September 30th, 1974, Jorge Grau's Let Sleeping Corpses Lie was released setting a precedent of change in the air.
anyone about? Sergeant, if Christ and saints are out of fashion. Satan's all the rage these days. Listen, boy, you keep getting on my nerves, and I'm going to give you another kind of house to look after. One with lots of bars in the windows. We'd better reinforce that door. Take the lamp. I can just imagine the sergeant's face when he finds out. Craig, can you hear me? Sergeant, they're dead people trying to kill me! Message for you. Look, I know it sounds silly, but is it possible? I mean, could a film fail to catch an image for any reason? Well, a ghost, maybe. This week on the show, we are wrapping up the theme of May of the Dead, and uh, you know it's it's been a it's been a hectic fucking year for me, uh, especially with everything that's kind of been going on. Uh, you know, three kids is a lot bigger of a task than I had initially assumed. Like when when my son was like a baby, baby, it was it was much easier. Now that he's getting in everything. Um, watching horror films and then talking about them is a much more of a Herculean task than I had initially considered. <laughs> With that being said, uh, obviously we didn't venture all over the map in terms of 
uh, zombie films, but I feel that the ones that we did this year were really fucking solid, and it just means that I'm not going to exhaust the zombie films, because like I've said on a number of occasions, if I ever get to Warm Bodies, just know that that is the end of everything. Uh, (laughs) Because uh, if, if I get to Warm Bodies, that means we've exhausted this to the umph degree, and that means it's just, it's time to shut the doors. Uh, but, uh, you can't go out half-stepping, you gotta go with something that's buck-wild and and just different, and I think that that's what we've got this episode, in movie and in guest. Uh, My guest this episode is a person that I admire the hell out of. He is a podcaster in his own respect. I have not had him on since we did the summer of remakes and for those of you that have been following along for a long period of time you know that that was a mighty long time ago um for those of you that have just kind of gotten into the show it was a mighty long fucking time ago Uh, the host of the hot tag podcast he's he's a, a rebel a loner i don't know if he's so much a loner but he's definitely a rebel mr shaheen how you doing my man Hey, what's Larry? God damn it, dude! I wasn't expecting that kind of a uh, fucking intro. By the way, I am 100% a loner. My uh, my girlfriend actually just moved in with me a month ago, and I told yeah, her one of the right. rules is I I need about two hours a night by myself in the basement in the man cave. So I, I absolutely am a loner. So you have so like thanks. the John Cena rules, <laughs> dude? I am totally. <laughs> Yo, I I didn't even think about it, bro. I I 100% am the person John Cena without it. My I don't have marble floors. I got fucking laminate, but you know, you gotta uh, do what you gotta do. Exactly. You know, push comes to shove, that laminate comes right up. You can put new laminate on, on that. That is shit. true. Or I could just put fucking marble down, dude. You know? It's like, look, it looks like hardwood now. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, dude. Like, oh, I, yeah. I got, I got laminate in my kitchen. It looks like I just got stone everywhere, but I'm not stepping on stone. It's fucking dope, dude. It's it's brilliant. They it's even have uh, ceramic tiles now that look like fucking wood. Uh-huh. So you lay it down, it looks like wood, but it's fucking ceramic. So when my dog shits on the floor, like it just happened ten minutes ago, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's no big deal because nothing gets in the crevices. It's fucking, it's tile. It's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that this conversation starts with dog shit. <laughs> Ceramics and dog shit, dude. I mean, come on. Uh, but um, I mentioned it on the Diary of the Dead episode, you know, leading up to this, that uh, this is a film that was recommended to me by Sean over at Avon Press, the guys that are doing the Lucio Fulci zombie comic. They also did the Maniac comic, and they did, like, a crossover with Maniac and New York Ripper. Really fucking cool guys. Uh, they, they made a Laser Blast comic. Uh, it's just, like, they're the be-all, end-all of comic books to me, uh, and, you know, kind of the things that I'm into. And so when he recommends something, specifically zombie-specific, it's, it's one of those things, uh, much like Mike Murphy did with Hell of the Living Dead, you recommend and you're that kind of caliber of dude, it's going on the list, and we're fucking talking about it. And that's what we have for us this week. We are going to be talking, of course, if you didn't skip past the preamble, again, those of you that do that, really fucking weird, I don't know who you are, but I will find you, and I will fucking (laughs) kill you. Uh, We will be talking, of course, about 1974's Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, a.k.a. The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. And this is one I kind of sprung on you, uh, you know, while in preparation for putting this month together. And I, I'm really curious to hear your opinions on it, but before we get your opinions on it, uh, we have to stick to format. And the way that we start these shows is by reading the synopsis for Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, which I'm going to now uh, just kind of random... At random, grab one of the synopsis that IMDb has for us. And uh, let's see, Jojo Mac, Patrick, and Jojo Mac again. So we're going to go with Patrick because Jojo Mac doesn't know how to just stick to just doing one. And, yeah, fuck that know, dude. Patrick seems to have a much more elongated uh, synopsis. And, you know, I like him long. I'm a, I'm a bit of a size queen. <laughs> and Jojo Mac, fuck you, Jojo Mac. Yeah, you, you need a dick, Jojo. 
Mac. Yeah, fuck that guy. He fucking all in his Jojo Mac. Jojo Mac sounds like a fucking Chirac Savage, dude. I don't, I don't actually want to say fuck that guy. I just, I just think Mojo Jojo, but you know that's, you know that that says a lot about the two of us. All right, all right. <laughs> so... I'm, I'm just saying, dude. I don't, I don't want to fuck with the 14 year old savages in, in, in Chirac because you know they're the ones fucking gunning you down. I'm not, I'm trying to review a zombie flick. I'm not trying to be a zombie, man. Fair enough. Fair I'm enough. I'm trying to live, Jojo Mac. I'm just trying to live. Yeah, I'm just trying to live, Jojo Mac. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> Queen Harsha Mabello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here is the synopsis for 1974's Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Brought about by the use of a new radiation-emitting device intended to destroy insects' nervous systems. The dead are brought back to life due to the jumpstart the radiation provides to their nervous systems. After the murder of a woman's estranged husband, police suspect the woman, her sister, and a relative stranger, who was only along because her, the sister had run into his motorcycle only hours prior of involvement in the murder. And as the bodies begin to accumulate, the police chief becomes more and more convinced of their involvement. It wasn't bad, Pat. Not bad at all. I, Much better than JoJo. Yeah, easily better than JoJo's. Fuck, fuck him. Uh, or <laughs> I, her. I, I gotta, I gotta get enough swears in right away to make sure that I earn that explicit tag when I upload the episode. Oh yeah, you gotta earn that shit. Yeah, dude. I, yeah. Dude, I, I earned that within the five minutes. Yeah, Billy Blank, yeah. Dick Sweat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tybo. Dick Sweat, Dick Cheese, whatever. Just like a long sesh of Tybo, him just kicking up a storm, and just taking off those biker shorts, wringing out the dick part into a cup, just taking a big old frothy sip. <laughs> in, in typical THT fashion, within the first 10 minutes, there's dick talk. Yeah, and, you know, it, it tastes like LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> This is not liquor. <laughs> Only licorice I like is absent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh man. So this this film is is really interesting in the sense that it comes off as being a British horror film, though it's directed by a by a Spaniard. Uh, uh, this is directed by Jorge Grau. I'm sure I mispronounced his name, but that's what this show does. We mispronounce names over here on mm -hmm. Creature Features. And um, just looking at his you know, listing of films that he's directed, 90% of them are not. The titles are not in English. They're of Spanish descent. And um, I believe he is from Spain. If I'm not mistaken, uh, yep, Barcelona. So, yeah, uh, very interesting if if you you know really think about it because it it has a very British quality to it, right? And but it also has this very eclectic, almost uh, revolutionary quality as well. You know, it is absolutely hitting on the counterculture in a very obvious way. To the point that in the beginning of the film, as our main protagonist, George, is making his way into the town or to, you know, his destination. Because it, it, it's very vague what he's actually doing. Uh, I guess he's going to visit some friends and help them. Uh, work on their house and it's really important to him to the, so much so that the young woman uh, Edna who runs into his motorcycle he just just abrasively tells her you know you're taking me to where I need to go <laughs> and, and she even offers to give him her car to go where he needs to go who the fuck does that <laughs> I, I tell you, it wouldn't be me, man. But uh, dude, I I don't know, I don't know what kind of vibe you got from this movie, but instantly, I, I didn't know much about it going into it, and uh, like for the first scene, I, I was like, oh shit, is this like New York City or what's happening here? 
And then uh, I, I heard Manchester. I'm like, oh, shit, this, this is in the UK. And uh, this movie was like a journey for me, dude. It, 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 it got me like a lot of different vibes, you know. It reminded me of like The Exorcist a lot, you know. It, um, it had a very hammer quality to me in the yeah. sense that it, it felt gothic in a lot of places. And it's not just the stuff with the cemetery, though that that is absolutely reminiscent of, you know, the classic hammer tropes. You know, this is in the 70s when that heyday is kind of gone, come and gone. You know, and it's made way for this kind of, you know... For me, the, the 70s is a really interesting time because it's this awkward transition from... You know, the classic movie monsters and Dracula and all these, you know, kind of gothic um, landscape-driven, you know, character pieces to what we have in the 80s, which is, you know, almost the antithesis of that. You know, you're, you're getting, you know, because, again, it, there's this refinement that kind of happened within horror uh, during the 60s that absolutely went away. People are in summer camps. You know, it's... it's It essentially made way for this for the slasher genre. And, you know, this is a world post-Dawn of the Dead, where... Or, not Dawn of the Dead, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dead uh, came out in 78, so it's pre-Dawn of the Dead, post-Night of the Living Dead. But, you know, there's clearly been this this tonal shift of what a zombie film can be and they can be these allegorical representations of you know what's going on within the culture at the time and that's one of the things that really works about zombie films is that they can take these elements that you know exist at the time and their universal tones or themes uh, this one is obviously, you know, I mean, there's no beating around the bush. This is, you know, the consequences of pollution and, you know, these these businesses making the decision to the detriment of the world at large for uh, the simplification of something that doesn't need to necessarily be simplified. And George, you know, when he when he's talking to the people that are running this radiation uh, system to kill these bugs he's just like why not just leave the bugs alone instead of destroying the earth <laughs> right and he's looked at like he's he's a villain you know and and again you know this is post 60s free love counterculture movement and we're moving into you know the 70s and or the mid 70s where the disco era kind of explodes and you know right before the 80s where everything was very much you know preppy and everybody sold out slash bought in and you know it's again like i said the it's the 70s is this weird kind of melting pot where it's a transition from the idealism of the 60s to the consumerism of the 80s and things like Dawn of the Dead really, you know, point a mirror at what's to come. This points a mirror at what's to come. You think about, you know, the depletion of the ozone layer, but, you know, I know for a fact when I drive on the freeway, you know, and I'm driving places, I see big billowing clouds of smoke just wafing from these factories that are making things like Duraflame logs. And it's, you know, <laughs> we could easily have you know that limited we we have the technology to create heat in our homes without you know making these fucking generic things that aren't wood just to have a fire we we can chop wood we can buy wood that's milled for fires and and you know and again it's a luxury not a necessity and right. we're we're doing these things to the detriment of our earth you know, and you know that's just one example of the the way that the world is destroying itself for creature comforts. Like it's go ahead. 
It's, it's it's funny that you're talking about uh creating fate wood. <laughs> In the beginning of the show, we're talking about laminate and how uh, how great a laminate is. You know? Yeah, but you know he, the irony. He, yeah, but really, if you think about it, the things that we use on a daily basis that are destroying the earth, and we use them because they're easy. They're simple. And we're oh, yeah. putting too much faith in them. Look at look down at your cell phone. You know, that's a perfect example of something that is not a necessity, it's a luxury. But, you know, cell phones have been, you know, attributed to giving people cancer. Right. But uh dude, dude believe it or not. <laughs> I, I actually I don't even have a cell phone anymore. I mean I have one, but I uh I have it disconnected. I just it, it's a distraction to me. Nobody needs to talk to me, dude. If you if you need to hit me up, hit me up on Facebook. Uh huh. Seriously, it's it just I don't know, because I find myself on social media way too much when I have a phone. When I don't, I'm a lot more active and and social, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, dude. Uh, social media kills socializing. It right, straight I have up a house does. Phone. You know, anybody that actually really knows me in real life and wants to contact me, they they know my house number. Exactly. Other than that, I don't really need a phone. And I mean, if you really, I mean, think about that, though. Think about the things that we, every day, uh, if you go to, like, McDonald's, that's not real meat. <laughs> right. You know, well, apparently so- it's real meat now, dude. They changed the fucking quarter pounder, so it's it's raw now. That's that's the new trend. McDonald's giving out raw meat. Uh, I, you know, is the is it real meat at Taco Bell? <laughs> is it, is it real meat at, at every fast food restaurant you go to? Right. You know, and and it's it's byproduct. It's it's you know these things that we didn't have before, we didn't need, and we existed just fine. But yeah, we want absolutely. things to be quick. We want them to be easy. We want them to be accessible. We want them to be simple. Well, dude, it's it's always been hilarious to me when you find, like, teenagers and they get frustrated when they don't get, like, Wi-Fi immediately. And it's like, dude, you, you don't even understand the concept behind what's happening behind your fucking cell phone. Like, this is sending a signal to space, you know? Uh-huh. Like, give it a couple seconds, man, and just relax. It's going to space, you know? The expectations, man, we gotta, gotta lower a little bit. And that's what this movie is about. Right. Is is exactly that and it's it's not you know obviously you know zombies is just a a horror thing that they add to it to create this you know horror film you know but the ultimate message or the ultimate goal of the film is to tell that story and it's not it's not lost on you if you even remotely kind of watch the film you know what i mean uh, where if you're watching the film you're you can you know be doing a, a myriad of different things if you're playing in the background you've already gotten that point right but they also don't beat you over the head with that point where yeah. i feel like a film like dawn of the dead absolutely does beat you over the head with the point you know larry let me, let me ask you a question go ahead um, you're, you're a big zombie fan. I, I'm not so much into the zombie flicks. I do like Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and I love, you know, the, uh-huh. the, the basics I do like. You know, a lot of the Fulci ones I love, like zombie, I, I do love from beyond and the beyond. They, I, I love both those. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I think, I think the stereotype behind zombie movies is just like, just gore for no reason, right? I mean, that's, that's what people automatically just assume when they, when they watch a zombie flick. They're not going into it for a message or anything. They're just assuming, oh, this is going to be some mindless, just, you know, gory entertainment that I'm just going to go in. It's going to be a bunch of shotgun blasts in the fucking brain and, you know, some blood splatter here and there and then haha, we're done. I think but, that, uh, you know, honestly, you could, you can take away from any experience what you want. And a lot of the times there, there are those messages there. It's just they aren't necessarily on the surface. It's up for you to decide to want to interpret them. Uh, more often than not, people don't want to interpret them. Right. And and that's the thing. That's that's kind of how a film can be rewarding on several levels. You can watch a film just on surface level and enjoy it. You know, for its merits of like, oh yeah, the violence is really good in this, and you know maybe they have like a really cool you know moment 
and you say, oh yeah, that was really cool, and you move on with your life. You can watch it again and find things you didn't see the first time you saw it, because you were only looking at it on the surface level. Right. But right. a film like this, you know, they they managed to, you know, show you, hey, this is what we're talking about, but they they don't over rely on that message. They they make it clear without again, like I said, beating you over the head with it. And that's what works about this film. I I thought that the cast was pretty fucking solid. Um, you know, the two leads, Edna and George, were able to kind of create this odd happenstance relationship and you know, you can say, and, and and I said it a couple of times, kind of throughout the con or throughout watching the film. If only he had just stayed in that town and waited for his bike to get fixed instead of being in a rush to get to helping his friends. Mm-hmm. You know, shit wouldn't have went down the way that it did. Though, it still is going to, you know, because. Ultimately, after, you know, again, spoiler alert on a fucking 40-year-old movie, after he (laughs) and everyone else dies, you know, the machines are still going. And and they they even say they're working on expanding the the circumference of its effect. And, you know, that's that's the, the main point, is that you know, they are going to improve that machine to the detriment of the rest of the world. And when you become, you know, when you die, if you're in the, you know, surrounding area of that radiation, you're going to come back to life. You know, yeah. and, and they, they they science it in, in a very kind of uh, exposition way where... You know, he's talking with the doctor when they're sitting around that baby, and those babies are being affected by it. You know, they're right. biting, they're bleeding, you know, they're attacking, but they're babies. They're alive, they're not dead, you know, but they're being affected because their immune system is different than an adult. It's not a developed immune system. That's the reason why, to the scientists, they believe it only works on. You know these bugs because their immune system isn't as strong as humans. Uh, once you die, your immune system is essentially, you know, null and void, and it could, you know, have any adverse effect. And that's what it does. It, it triggers, you know, the dead to reanimate. But the thing that they do in this film, that they have only done, and I think like Return of the Living Dead. Is if you shoot them in the head, they don't they don't die. Well, they're very smart. They they work together in this movie. Yeah, they're they're using tools. They're working together. They're, yeah, they're opening hunting. doors of churches. Yeah, and yeah, they they took that headstone off to, you know, smash that door down like as a team with a like a battering ram. Um, yeah. Which I thought that, that was old school, man. That's what I love about old old movies, like you know the cross tombstone and, and this the symbolism in old movies. You you can't find that anymore. Um, everything's CGI now, and in this movie, I think they, you know, before I before I talk about the the graphics real quick, I, I do think they found the right balance with the message, you know, because like you said, it wasn't over the head, but it was it was definitely pretty blunt. Uh-huh. Um, what they were trying to what they were trying to achieve, but uh, I love the gore effects in this because it's not cheesy. But it's it's also there's like no CGI, you know. That's I I absolutely hate CGI, dude. Like I just I don't know, man. This this has that that good old fucking like Fulci vibe, you know. I don't know if it reminded you of Fulci at all, but this this reminded more of me of a of an Italian movie. Than, it definitely than, uh, has the Italian sensibilities, and I, again, I think that's you know attributed to it being directed by a Spanish director, right? You know, and it essentially being you know derivative of latin so there's you know this cultural thing that obviously kind of permeates regardless of the fact that it's intended to look like a british film and that also really distinguishes it from things that 
you know, were happening in that time frame actually in the UK. You know what I mean? So that fucking works. And and again, you, you hit the nail right on the head. It, it has very Italian sensibility to it. Um, but still manages to not feel hokey where I feel a lot of Italian films kind of walk that razor's edge. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you get either, you get yourself either like uh, an Argento or a Bava, or on the other side of that spectrum, you get like uh, Matai and Fregasso. And then right in that middle ground is Fulci. And, you know, so there's, it's it's almost like, you know, different shades of gray where you know which side of the fence are you going to be on and it kind of walks that line while still distinguishing itself as you know this this unique thing uh but i do want to talk about the violence in this film because there is there are some fucking really rad gore moments um specifically in the mortuary uh when or in the uh the graveyard when they're the police officer is ripped apart and he he has his eyeball torn out and his right. guts you know torn out of him and, and they do it in a way and, and again like you know the heart that's that's clearly a real heart like it's an animal you right. know <laughs> so they they do it in a way where they they show you the stuff without having to show you the stuff if you if you get what I mean, you're you're seeing the the consequences, but you don't have to see them actually like dig in, and it's the aftermath. It's effective, and you know then uh, the the axe to the head in the hospital towards the end of the film, that fucking moment rules. Uh, That's tearing, probably my favorite one. Tearing the titty off, that that was probably my favorite. Uh, when that's that's dude, you know that that one part um where they're actually you know tearing off her stomach and tearing off the titties and all that stuff uh that's the only part that looks super fake to me the rest of the movie i thought the gore was super on point man again because they probably were using a real heart and all that yeah um and you could tell it was like a slow sell with the violence it was like it's like fucking like wrestling man they had like wrestling psychology to this goddamn zombie movie you know it definitely was a a classic wwf build Rather yeah. than an ROH build, <laughs> yeah, you you get some man ass, you get some titties. Yeah, you know. not a lot it's of. An, false it's a nice finishes. balance. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice balance of everything, man. They give you man ass, they give you titties, they make both genders happy. You know, back in the day there was only two genders. Now they just you know ninety seven, so they would have to incorporate a lot more things uh, if this was done nowadays. But um, honestly, dude, this this reminded me of a fucking Italian movie. The only thing that set it apart uh, from an Italian movie was the fucking phone booths. From uh from from England because uh, those stand out. But other than that, man, this if if I were to watch this and and you know put the put the closed captions on, I would not be able to tell this is a British movie. And uh, fun fun fact about the titty scene: uh, hmm? the director purposely cast an actress known for having a flat chest so he could apply the prosthetics and it would look a little bit more realistic when they t- tear into it. Um, Smart. Also, um, the graveyard where they shot at is apparently, uh, or it's said that that is the place where Robin Hood and Little John were laid to rest. So, you know, take for that what you will. Um, <laughs> I got happy when I heard Little John for a second. Was, yeah! You don't mean that. Okay, I was going to say, which Little John are you talking about? And but, uh, uh, yeah, the, did, you, did you like the fire in this man? I mean, I don't know about uh, I don't know about you, but again, it reminded me of The Exorcist. The ending, uh, you know, everything's on fucking fire, and uh, you know, even her being strapped down to the to the bed and and her getting injected. There was just a lot of um, symbolism that that just reminded me of of The Exorcist. See, and <laughs> when when I was watching it, I was looking at it more so as. The things that are meant to protect you are ultimately the things that destroy you. And, you know, the the police officer, it just has a fucking axe to grind with this guy because he has long hair. 
He's got that fucking Barry Gibbs swag going on. Yeah. He, 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 he fucking doesn't even beat around the bush. He calls him a faggot, like, right yeah. away. <laughs> and it's just like, God damn, bro. Like, yeah. slow it up. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't even bought me dinner. <laughs> oh, man. Got a slow sell, man. Go yeah. Take um, it down a notch. But he, regardless of the, the, the facts that are surrounding every situation he goes to, he's already made up his mind who the guilty party is. Yeah. When he goes to the cemetery and he finds the police officer dead, like, he's got his intestines ripped out, his eyeball torn off, the the, the remains look devoured, and he's just like, oh, they crossed the line now, they killed a cop, tell everybody to shoot to kill. It's like, whoa! You just, you just made that whole jump to, oh no, it's clearly this guy. Like, he's telling you that the dead are rising, which I know sounds really fucking weird. But it sounds, maybe, sounds like Florida on fucking bad salts, man. Yeah, maybe give him the benefit of the doubt and look into it more. But nah, you know, you just go ahead and you keep considering that, you know, because he's got long hair, he's clearly a cannibal. <laughs> and it's a big cannibal conspiracy to fucking, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> Larry, can I ask you something real quick? Yeah, for sure, brother. Um... Do you, th- do you think this, I mean, looking at this movie and, and the messages, I think a lot of it is super relevant even today. You know, it's almost like foreshadowing to, to, to what's happening today. Um, and it really holds up. I mean, I mean, first time watching this, and, you know, keep in mind, this is made in the 70s, folks. But I, th- I think it really holds up. Were you impressed by how, how much it holds up? Because a lot of those movies going back to it that I loved in the 90s or, you know, early 2000s, when I watch it again, it, yeah, it has that, you know, nostalgic effect, but it's, it's, it's not the same vibe that I got back then. But watching this for the first time, um, I, I was impressed how, how it held up. You know, it's almost it's, it's, it's many decades later. Uh, I think that, you know, and, and this, is, this is what I'll say about that is classics really never go out of style if and and what it is and this is just my opinion is and and this is my opinion on a lot of things you know things that predate me you know what i mean like uh, there's there's wrestling that i enjoy that predates me you know it wasn't my time frame but when you tell a good story that's what stands the test of time. It's not about, you know, what cool effects you can do or, you know, the tricks you can play visually. It's about the story that you're telling. And if you're telling a quality story, a coherent story, it really resonates more so than something that is just a quick, you know, a quick fix. Um, something like 28 days later holds up to this day i i covered it um last year for may of the dead and that was that was a film that was released post 9-11 and they were filming it during 9-11 and you can feel that feeling you feel it watching it that desperation and you feel the desperation watching this as well and and it it's talking about a much larger issue that we're facing to this very day because we refuse to learn from our mistakes and continue just plodding forward until we can't learn from our mistakes because our mistakes have come to quite literally eat us (laughs) and and that's what this movie was it was a warning it was a proclamation that things can get much worse and they will continue to get worse until we do something about it. But with that being said, it is now time to get into Reapers. And now you haven't been on since we covered House on Haunted Hill all I'm those not. many years ago. Uh, this is a new thing, well, new for you. Uh, the the way that this goes is as follows, and this is a rating system that we've set up. Zero Reapers is the absolute lowest. That is. 
you know, um, shocking dark. No, shocking dark sauce. But you get what I'm saying. It's it is right, shocking. Right. Uh, five the being the highest. That's Evil Dead territory or Dawn of the Dead or something to that effect. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, if you will. Where are you landing Reaper-wise for Let Sleeping Corpses Lie? Uh... I think I think to be I'd, I'd give it a three, because it's something I would watch again. Mm-hmm. Um, would I recommend it to other people? Yeah, sure. I wouldn't, you know, make I wouldn't necessarily say it's a classic to me. Um, but I, I would give it a three. I think it's I think it's a good movie to check out if you wanna if you're into the zombie flicks. Again, I'm not I'm not the biggest zombie fan, and I actually liked it. So that that says a lot because there is a. Uh, very few zombie flicks that I actually enjoy, and most of them are actually from the 70s and 80s. So that says something right there. But yeah, I, w- I would give it three. Yeah, I'm gonna go a bit higher than you. I'm gonna come in with a 3.8, and uh, I just think, and I, I think I've exhausted this idea. I, I'm now doing the thing that I complain about. It did not beat you over the head with the message. the The violence is consistent, and the pace keeps you going it doesn't it doesn't drag and they tell a good quality story the story with george and the inspector is a story in itself that's a sub story that's going on the story with uh him and edna is a story in itself that you know it doesn't really take too much time to get there um you know, and then the story with her sister and her drug addiction. That's a story that plays out and it and it's not it doesn't have to be super hyper focused on, but it plays out in a really quality way. When her sister, you know, is a zombie and she goes and she's stabbing her, like she's she's literally there because she was trying to help her sister go to rehab. And you know, trying to do the right thing and you know, her thank you for that is being stabbed practically to death before being turned into a zombie herself. I love bleak endings. Like, I, I love bleak endings. And, you know, this this clearly has that. I, this movie works in a lot of fucking ways, but I don't like just giving things a five just to give them a five. But that's about as high as I would go with this. It's 3.8. Um, that's fair really fucking enjoyable film uh if you've gotten this far and you haven't seen the film what the fuck are you doing man (laughs) like why why would you listen to a discussion about a movie that you hadn't seen Uh, don't don't be a jojo don't be a jojo go watch jojo go watch don't be jojo um hopefully we didn't uh, i mean we gave literally the entire movie away so (laughs) uh, spoiler alert but uh yeah spoiler alert these shows are always a spoiler (laughs) <laughs> but plugs my man tell people where they can find you alright you can check us out every uh, Tuesday at 10pm uh, eastern time mixler.com slash THT podcast and you can uh, subscribe to us on the THT network or the THT podcast iTunes Stitcher Radio or uh, join us on Patreon patreon.com slash THT network and you guys and, do uh, a we'll shit have... ton of uh, Patreon exclusives right yeah yeah, yeah. We, we do about 8 to 10 a month uh, actually I got Joe Numbers coming on uh, coming on to TOS next weekend which is a, a, a deathmatch tournament I know, I know you'll love that by the way oh, dude, yeah. I, I just finished shitting out the fucking light tubes from, from the birthday cake you gave us thank you so much <laughs> yeah, that was my pleasure so I knew you guys would like that yeah, I'm still shitting out shards of glass. But uh, yeah, Joe Numbers is coming down to, to Jersey, so he's staying with me for uh, for for a few nights. So we're gonna definitely do some uh, some Patreon shows with Joe Numbers, and uh, we'll throw them up there. And of course, we'll review the GCW's Tournament of Survival and all that stuff. So we got a bunch of fun stuff. Going on, but, is uh, PCO gonna be at that? PCO is gonna be at that, and he's gonna be going against uh, Joey Janela. Oh shit! Yeah, dude, the bad boy himself, bro. Yeah, I, I hear he's all in. Nah, he is all in. He is all in. Not just the tip. He's all in. Wow. Balls, Balls deep. Balls deep. <laughs> yep. Goddamn right. Balls deep, my man. That's some friendship shit right there. We my both man. went from balls deep at the same time. My man. God damn it. 
That's you can't uh, practice that. That's fucking. That's there you go. Yeah, you can't teach that. <laughs> and you can't, goddamn right, man. Can we still say that? Is that a thing? Uh, I'm sure that you know they'll they'll figure out a way around it, but um, you can't educate that. <laughs> Fact. Yeah. Uh, if you guys are here because of Shaheen or you know because you just are big, let's sleeping corpses life ends. Uh, this is your first episode you want to find out more about us you can do that in a couple of different ways you can start off by liking us on facebook facebook.com forward slash creature pod following us on twitter and instagram at creature pod definitely you know because you know sean was so kind enough to recommend this movie to me um all that time ago and it, it it's a fucking winner you know, definitely if you're if you're into horror films, if you're into zombie films, and you read comics, go ahead and go over to abonpress.com. Get yourself some fucking comics. I, I swear, I I'm not even underplaying this. I, I loved horror comics back in the day. I remember I was really really fucking into the Predator comics. I know that that's not necessarily horror, but it it is. You know, they're fucking ripping skulls and spinal cords out of people. It's pretty fucking metal. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah, hell yeah. You know, I, I love violent, really fucking violent comics that are R-rated, and that's what they're doing over at abonpress.com. Um, you should really fucking give them a chance. You know, go look at their website. See what they have to offer. You're going to find something that you like if you're into gore, horror, and comic books. Um, also... If you're a filmmaker who's been dying to get your movie out in front of an audience, or you're part of a production crew and want to get recognized for your great work, be sure to check out the first ever Southeast Michigan Film Festival. Uh, the Southeast Michigan Film Festival is now taking free, free submissions from now until August 15th. Uh, yes, completely free. There are no submission fees and your film will not require status like many other festivals. Shorts, documentaries, feature-length films, student productions, there's a category for them all. There are even award categories, performances, cinematography, visual effects, and more. Entering is easy. Just visit filmfreeway.com and search Southeast Michigan Film Festival. From there, you can find all the submissions, guidelines, and instructions on how to enter. The filmsfreeway.com and just search Southeast Michigan Film Festival. Uh, selected films will be shown to attendees in November on a big screen in a 1,400-seat auditorium in Metro Detroit. Uh, get your film in front of an audience that's fucking massive. Uh, these are people that are there because they love films, and they want to see your work. You don't have to give them money. They want you to be able to share your work with like-minded individuals and not on some YouTube shit. You know, there's nothing, no shots at YouTube because, you know, uh, I, I live on YouTube, but... That's how, that's how we watch the movie. <laughs> but, uh, legitimately, dude, you know, when you make movies, and I, I know this because I'm a failed filmmaker myself, it, the ultimate dream is to have your film projected on a big screen for an audience and you can do that you can do it for fucking free that's an amazing fucking deal and again uh you want to just go to filmfreeway.com and search for southeast michigan film festival get on that do that and be all a part of that um we're as i said at the beginning of this wrapping up may of the dead at the beginning of June, uh, before we get into what we're going to be getting into for the course of the summer, uh, we're going to be doing something as a part of a multi-podcast experience. I have joined up with Black Cat's Shadow, uh, Back in Time Podcast, and a ton of others uh, to cover the Universal Monster films, and it will be over the... the streams a cross stream promotion where each one of us are going to be covering one of the universal monsters i 
tossed my name into the lottery. And the film that I pulled out that we're going to be discussing next is 1933's Precode, The Invisible Man. Um, so that should be interesting. If you're into classic horror films, uh, if you're into the Universal Monsters, you should definitely go check out Black Cat Shadow on Twitter and find out all the information, see what shows uh, are doing what, and, you know, get a part of that, because that's something that is really interesting, it's really exciting, and I'm and I'm absolutely thrilled to be a part of it. Um, so the, the very next episode is going to be The Invisible Man. But after that, after my contractual obligations to that cross-platform fucking podcast... I'm going to, for the course of the summer, be covering a Nightmare on Elm Street series, the entirety. I'm re-covering all of those films from 1 all the way to 7. I'm going to be covering all of the Friday the 13th films, even Jason X, so from 1 to 10. And I'm going to be covering all of the Halloween films leading up to this new Halloween film, which I guess is just fucking called Halloween. Uh, whatever. Uh, you know, the, the court is still out on that, and there, there'll be plenty of time to discuss that. But we're going full-on franchise all summer long. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I've been putting together a guest list for that that is all-consuming, all-encompassing of each one of those franchises. I'm trying to reach out to people that have made Friday the 13th fan films, Nightmare on Elm Street fan films, Halloween fan films, and, you know, get legitimate fans of these franchises to come and have conversations with me. It's really something I'm super duper excited to do because for those of you that don't know that haven't been following along, when I started this show, that's how I started it. So it's kind of come full circle, and I'm really excited to do that. But with that being said, we're going to get the hell out of here. So, for Shaheen, and for myself, again, my name is Chunky. This has been another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com, Stitcher, and Apple Podcast. Listen, someone you trust. <laughs>
the radiation. Of course, it worked on the baby's nervous system. Why not on those of the dead? What the hell are you raving about, man? Craig, when a person dies, perhaps the nervous system goes on living for a while. Perhaps in some very basic, crude way, like an insect. Or a plant. Look, you can pick a flower, but it goes on living for a while. You're right. That man Guthrie, didn't he die when they began the experiment? Well, all right. He was the first, but the others. They transmit life to each other through the blood of the living, like a plague. And that's why they kill. Now you know who it was that killed Martin. I can just imagine the sergeant's face when he finds out. And I'd like to be there when he does. If we get out of this alive, 